1: My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by every means possible, from having a side hustle, to be an entrepreneur, investor, whatever it might be. There are so many ways to do this. In fact, some people might think there's one or two ways to quit your job, but no, there are loads and loads of ways. In fact, today I have a fantastic interview for you, a fantastic guest that's going to show us how he created a business that I literally would never have thought of creating. But I am super, super excited to have my show and have you guys here with us. So I have Neil Parek here with me on the show. Neil, thank you so much for being here.
0: Thanks, Dustin. I'm excited to be here, man.
1: Now, I... <laughs> When I first learned about your business and how you became successful and point, I was blown away because, like I said, I literally would never have thought of this. Now, how do you make money to provide for yourself and your family without working that just over broke job like nobody, no, normally everybody else does?
0: Yeah, sure. So I'll give you a little bit about my background. I currently run a company called Made This and Made This Franchise. So Made This is a cleaning service focused on mainly vacation rental turnovers, as well as residential cleaning. Very simple. You want a cleaning service, we do online marketing, you get to our website and you could book a cleaning service, also catering to the Airbnb host. And we've just started uh, franchising that this year after seven years in business to start offering that business model to other people as well. So this is what I, I do full time now. So you
1: have a business and you started it by first cleaning Airbnbs or the short-term homes that people rent out for, everybody knows what Airbnb is, but there's also things like VRBO, other different Mm -hmm. companies that you can actually utilize as well to get people to stay in your place for a short-term, like two or three days or maybe a week, not long-term. Like I invest in long-term properties, which are years. Mm -hmm. Now, the idea of starting that out, did you yourself go and start cleaning out a place yourself and just started, this is my business, hire me and then I'm gonna go clean. Is that what you did?
0: That's not what I did. And if you talk to my mom, she'd be like, Neil would be the worst cleaner ever. I can't believe I'm running a (laughs) cleaning company right now. So completely different. No, I, it was, it was just, um, I initially did it just by coming up with kind of the idea, which we'll go into in a little bit and finding people to do it initially. And as we started to grow, I started to find more and more people. So I did this while working full time. Um, so I had to build it in a way where it wasn't me actually going to the cleanings. it was just uh, coordinating things.
1: That's brilliant. I love I love hiring people to do other things because it benefits them and blesses them and they're being able to make money for their families and take care of themselves. And I'm relieving somebody else's burden because I'm taking care of that pain point of cleaning a house like for this example. Absolutely. as well as myself, I'm making sure everything's connected. Now, Neil, you didn't always become or be successful and employed. Can you talk to us about just showing us that you're a normal person, like your next door neighbor, just like I am showing people that there are other ways to do this. What were you doing before and how did you get that transition into creating this company?
0: Yeah, happy to dive into that. So I worked in finance in a very corporate setting. Um, I had a fantastic time with my group. It was a, it was a finance company over in LA. So no problems there. It was, uh, one of those corporate jobs lesson where, you know, you walk down the hallway, you say happy help day. And you just like, it was very kind of that type of environment. So I knew that eventually like, this is just not me. I can't do it. There's no problem with the people. It's just that this is not what I can do. So as I was there, I, uh, I was looking for what I'd call a side hustle, just something to do on the side, something to build some extra income. To me, it always, I always thought um, having just one source of income from your job is like having one customer. In business, if you have one customer, that customer goes away, your business is gone. That's the exact same thing with a job. You have one customer, that is your employer. If that goes away, what's going to happen? So I, I always, I never felt fully secure, so I always wanted something on the side. Um, and there's a couple of main reasons for that. One was I wanted to eventually quit and travel the world. And uh, number two was I wanted to help provide for my parents financially. Uh, they had, Dustin, do you remember the old video rental stores like Blockbusters? No, absolutely. So growing up, my parents had two of them. It's called Video Town. Uh so I mean growing up I watched so many movies. Going <laughs> on Friday nights, you just pick out what you want. It was like a party in there. Um, so anyways, my parents uh in the mid two thousands, uh, 2010s, obviously video rental stores are not doing that great. So uh they were struggling financially, and I also wanted to have something on the side to help pay their mortgage and provide for them. So uh amongst other, it was just a normal job, and I just thought I got to have something inside. Provide more security for me, more security for my parents, and more from
1: there. That's great. Now, how did you come up with the idea of cleaning out short term rentals like this? Now, I understand that there's a couple different things in mm-hmm. having an Airbnb place, like managing it to stocking it to cleaning and all that sort of stuff. How did you pick mm-hmm. this? I guess somewhat little, no, it's not necessarily a niche, but it's something that is relieving a pain point for investors like myself of cleaning and taking care of the property. How'd you come up with that? And then what was the process to actually systematize it where you can hire other people as opposed to you doing all the work?
0: Yeah, great question. So the I what I always advise people when it comes to business is just dive into it and you'll see what happens afterwards and where the real opportunities are. So when I was trying to figure out what to do, um, I was trying to find anything I could do online based where I could still work at a corporate job and be able to do something. I was trying e-commerce drop shipping. Like, uh, I think my first website was a pet hair grooming vacuum website, just to like yeah. try to scrape my money. I, I was just trying everything, uh, because I thought I needed something remote. And finally I came and went on a reddit.com. Have you been on Reddit Dustin? Yeah, a couple times. I'm not a big Reddit
1: user, but a couple of times or at okay. least a few times.
0: So on Reddit, uh, there's a part of Reddit called Entrepreneur. And uh, I was just looking on there and a guy had posted how he started a cleaning company. And I thought, you know, what the hell, I'm doing a lot of other things. I'm going to give this a shot as well. This is just a regular residential cleaning company. So amongst other things, I threw up this website, which I didn't know how to code or anything. I just somehow figured it out and it's way easier now. Uh, but back then I just threw something up and gave it a shot. And it really, it started just with residential cleaning and eventually, this was 2013, 2014. That's when vacation rentals started to come come up more, and it started to get calls from people who wanted vacation rental cleanings, and that's when we kind of pivoted and started focusing a lot on that. So currently, we do both of them still. That's still the business model. Uh, but like I said, you don't really know. Y- you could start off in the business and end up somewhere completely different. The most important thing is just to start because you see what happens when you actually get into it.
1: I agree, and. I, I really think that entrepreneurs, people who are going to do this, be it starting a side hustle, hopefully they eventually can come into a full-time business that mm-hmm. employs people, become successful and employed. Hopefully it gets like that. And people like us have a mentality, like we're going to figure it out no matter what. We're going to make sure it works. But if it doesn't, we might find something else that would help to alleviate that burden or whatever it might be. But we're going to become problem solvers or be actually a problem solver in our particular business, not just our customers, but in our business itself. And so now oh, yeah. when you said that you probably wouldn't be the best person to clean, which I know I wouldn't be, I'm blessed to have four kids. <laughs> they clean the house. Well, <laughs> there's a big reason also for that. Number one, they're the ones that make the mess. So they have, <laughs> clean but, um, I wouldn't be the best for cleaning. How would you then I want to start a company where I'm going to actually be cleaning houses. How do you then realize, well, I got to hire somebody. How do I, do I put in Craigslist? Like what's that process to literally the idea? I'm going to start a cleaning business. <clears throat> We're going to get customers in a little bit, but first we need to be able to take care of those customers. How do we mm-hmm. get that business running?
0: Yeah. that And that's the hardest part, right? I feel like at the beginning for any business or any side hustle or anything you want to do to become successfully unemployed, it's a chicken and egg thing. You don't have customers, but you don't have cleaners. You don't have, you have cleaners, but you don't have customers. What do you really do? Um, this is where I always advise people to have a minimum viable product. You don't need to have the perfect solution at the beginning. You just need someone who's in my case, able to clean, mark it up, outsource it. And then if it works, you're like, cool, it kind of works. And then you can figure it out later on. So what we did at the beginning, um, was I found someone who was just an individual cleaner, had his own kind of business and said, Hey, how much do you charge? He'd say 70 bucks. And I say, great, I'm going to just mark it up to 90 bucks and market that. And it worked. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, I remember going downstairs outside of the building and just like dancing when I got the first sale. And I, I probably made like five bucks altogether on it. But it was just that feeling of I've made this five. You dollars validated that it, money yeah. 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 Yeah, and then from there, just you just get scrappy. So after his uh, the first cleaning, he he would drive up. I'd go to the ATM, get cash, pay him, and then keep doing it. Then eventually you figure out like, okay, I, I need to bring on actual people, vet them. But I just needed to double check if this works or not, and that was the quickest way to do it. So,
1: so you actually went to the location where the house was going to be cleaning. You would pay him right then and there, and then you would get paid by the homeowner.
0: So, how the business works is we don't do in-person estimates. We don't do anything. Everything is online. Because I had to, I was working at a job. I couldn't go do in-person estimates. So, by default, I said I have to be able to do this online somehow. We had flat-rate pricing, and we still do based off of the size of the home. So Dustin, you could go to the website, you schedule a cleaning, and it just does it through software, which we—it's third-party software that we we'll pay for. And uh, the cleaning happens. I let the cleaner know it's happening and give the address. And the cleaner goes and does it. I charge the customer the credit card. And now, of course, we'll pay the cleaner electronically. But back then, the cleaner cleaner's like, I want to get paid cash. So I said, okay, drive up to my work, and I'm going to sneak out the back and pay you cash to get this done.
1: Man, that's exciting. Now, the one thought came to mind and you briefly touched on it like make sure you're hiring the right people. And cuz obviously, yeah. this, I mean this is a big deal like liability. That as a business, we want to protect against liability. If somebody goes in and steals everything out of the house, like how do we know <clears> that or how do we make sure we're hiring the right people and how do we protect ourselves from something like this because that's something that every business owner we're going to have liability. Now, as best mm-hmm. as we can, we're going to try to protect ourselves from liability hiring employees And vetting them out is gonna be a big thing on top of everything else we do to protect ourselves from liability.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I think just onboarding the correct people is the biggest thing you can do for liability. Of course, there's insurance, there's things you can do in protocols to help stop things. But the reality is if you have a bad app on your system, that's gonna cause way more problems than will be solved by having insurance or something else. So the reality is just a a very strict vetting process. So for us, we have what it's called the five-step cleaner screening process. The Cleaner has to go through five different steps to actually even be able to work on our platform. Um, I think only 2% of the applicants would actually make it into there. Now, I didn't start off with this idea, right? This idea happens once you actually get into it and, and get going and figure out where the where the need actually is. So that's how we vet the cleaners who are on the this platform now is it's a very extensive vetting process. If they, if within the first couple of weeks, we sent something off, just move on quickly. Um, and that's the biggest thing that you could do to stop any liability from happening.
1: When you say something like sets it off, like you have an, an alert in your like system, there's five steps and something doesn't go right where they're not, uh, it could be a background check. It could be whatever. It's like a little alert. You're like, oh, okay, this is probably not the right person. Let's move on.
0: Exactly. So there's the vetting process where even before they even start getting jobs from us, uh, you know, there's a, a phone screening and we ask a list of basic questions. There's a uh, in-person interview where we go with them. We're double checking. Are they arriving on time? Are they talking on the phone? Uh, assessing different things with them. How do they interact with people? Then we go to the background checks. Then we go to the onboarding call. And there's a lot of hoops to jump through. Even if they make it through that, as they go through the first couple of weeks, we're still keeping an eye on them. How are the customer reviews? Do they have complaints coming in? Are they showing up on time? Are they communicating well? If we sense anything at the beginning that is off, it's not worth keeping them in the system. I've learned this the hard way. Um, It's better to grow slower and grow with the right people. Otherwise, you'll grow fast, but you just have a crazy amount of complaints, a lot of problems, and it's going to limit your growth overall.
1: That is 100% right. And one bad employee can literally tarnish your entire business. And so you want to get ahead of that. You want to make sure as best you can, to not have those problems because fixing those fires or putting out those fires that bad employees make, that is so much worse than actually just
0: doing it right the first time. And it's tough because at the beginning you just want business. You're just like, I I have a customer who wants like, okay, let me just give it to this cleaner. who I'm not really sure about, but I want that business. That's the hardest part is saying no at the beginning to make sure you could kind of build a foundation. And that's what I've learned.
1: Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's very, very smart. Now, do you you probably also have like a good liability insurance and and also anything else covering the employees or how does that, are they contractors or are they actual W-2 employees?
0: So for us in California, they are contractors. Uh, based off of that, the vetting process is even more strict, uh, making sure they have their own insurance, making sure they're registered with the government, making sure they're legal. You do all of these things to protect yourself. On top of that, we have our own liability insurance as well. Oh, so each uh, one
1: of your people that you bring bring on, they would be actually having their own insurance, like their own, like a subcontractor almost.
0: Their vendors, their businesses. Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, very, very good. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, that, okay. So that's, there's so much more in the, in the employee and running the business, which we can get into, but I want to move into finding customers. How do you now? Absolutely find customers because without customers, you're not going to have cash and mm-hmm. without cash, you're not going to have a business. So we have to have influx of mm-hmm. cash. How do you get that first customer? And how do you continue like that? When you go out of your office and you're dancing for making $5, which is fantastic. You prove the business model. Somebody, if somebody's going to pay you, that means other people will pay you, which is great. Absolutely. And so how do you get starting with the <clears throat> first customer and how do you keep building that up to where you get a, a decent business where you say this is a successful business now?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what I love about um, what we do is it's in the local space, right? It's a local business. It's very localized. Now, how you are going to get customers? is going to depend on what type of business model you employ. For example, if you're in real estate or you want to start your own consulting gig or you want to be a graphic designer, the methods I'm about to say are not relevant for you because they're relevant for local business. But I'll tell you what I love about the local business market is that uh, I feel it's pretty old school as it comes to digital marketing. A lot of the people we're competing against are mom and pop shops. Maybe they're very old older school franchises which started in the 70s, 80s, 90s. The reality is, um, I think as of 2017, 45% of small businesses did not even have a website, which blows my mind. They didn't even have a website. My point being, um, we all we do is digital marketing for the most part. If we're a little bit better than our competitor, which is usually a local small company, we are going to be able to make more money than them easy as that. So I didn't. I don't have a digital marketing background. I worked in finance. Um, But the reality is you could figure this out pretty quickly. And as long as you know what you're doing or have someone teaching you what you're doing, you could get ahead when it comes to local services and digital marketing. So how we got our first customer, I think, was uh, I ran Google AdWords. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know how to bid. Just threw it on and said, all right, let's see what happens. And I probably overpaid for the lead or whatever, um, but it worked. And now we just use a variety of tactics, um, all centered around digital marketing with the premise of hey, I just have to beat the local business. I don't have to compete against the world. I just have to beat my local business. And I know we're better at digital marketing than them. Let's get it going.
1: And I love that idea. Now, with Successfully Unemployed, as well as with Master Passive Income, my my two brands that I have, it's nationwide or if not worldwide, which is so Mm -hmm. much harder for SEO or search engine optimization or Google AdWords. I guess it's so competitive. But if you can get specific, like really, really, I'll give you an example. I used to live in Fresno, California. So in Fresno, California, you can really pinpoint being the best maid service for Fresno, California and really attack that cuz how many are there? There's not that many. I know when a good really one of my best friends, a really good friend of mine, he lives in Fresno and he was doing construction, he was flipping houses and he got tired of doing that and he started hmm. his own carpet cleaning business. He just bought a little, you know, little unit about this big, about you know, size of a, I don't know, like mm-hmm. a stuffed pig, like a, a small unit. And then just it that on Craigslist and then started getting jobs and just started getting over and over mm-hmm. again, more and more jobs and referral. But then he really went after SEO or search engine optimization for the keyword Fresno carpet cleaning. Like just, he just hammered that yep. and he just grew so fast because when in, people would go to Google as opposed to the, everybody used to go to the phone book. At the Yellow Pages or the phone book, and they'd look at that and say, carpet cleaning, and they'd find a number. Now it's all Google. And now he started back in think, 2015. So mm-hmm. he was well ahead of the game. Now he's doing really, really well in his business. So I think if you were, like you said, I think it's a fantastic idea is being local. Because if you're starting your own business, you obviously are around the people where you are. And also I think in this type of service-oriented business, word of mouth is great. How do you encourage or do you encourage like word of mouth from any of your customers to uh, obviously getting a good rating on Yelp or Google is really, really good. But is there anything Mm -hmm. like maybe like a a pro tip that you can give? Like, how do we get more referrals outside of our normal customers?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, every, and we're always experimenting with referral programs, right? I think even the one we have right now works, it's not the best, but referrals is such a powerful source because you're going to close so many more sales. If it's someone who's referred to somebody else, the close rate is insanely high. If it's a referral, for example, if you have a normal phone sale, if someone calls us, I will know that we will close at a 50% rate for that. If that person comes through a referral, that's probably going to be 90%. So it's so powerful and it's worth so much. So we just have a simple program. Hey, it's 50 bucks if you have a referral and we're going to add that as a cleaning fee for you. Very simple. I do want to change that up and I just want to experiment stuff because referrals is so powerful. Uh, but exactly like you're saying, Dustin, it's it's a digital world. Um, our focus is on getting Google reviews because if you have hundreds and hundreds and you have double of the number of Google reviews as your most closest competitor, your business is stable. People go to Google all the time. And if you have great reviews and you have double the number of reviews, that's how you really solidify your business nowadays. That's the new word of mouth would be online reviews. So we focus heavily Google reviews, Yelp reviews, everything we can do in that realm.
1: That's great. Now, when it comes to Airbnb, it's different Mm -hmm. than single family homes that are long-term, like long-term. Yep. I only have maybe, high, and I'm hoping they don't move out because the longer they're in there, the more money I make. But when they do move out, we're going to have to clean it, so it's a one-off. Now, Airbnb is totally different. It's constantly (laughs) being turned over. Tell us about that business model and how do you serve that customer? Your customer is the investor, the person that owns that Airbnb. That's your customer. Mm -hmm. How do you serve them adequately? Like, hey, like organizing timing, and schedules, making sure, because each house is going to be different, how they clean, how they put out new like shampoos or whatever it might be. How do you navigate all that?
0: Yeah, it's a lot of logistics and it it is difficult. And we've spent years and years trying to perfect what we're doing over here. So Dustin, you, um, pretend you're an Airbnb host and you have a a cleaning, someone who's going to do the cleaning. What is your biggest worry? That it's not clean
1: and that things would look bad for the next
0: people coming in. Because that's your business and you might get a bad review. Boom. So we know that is the pain point of the customer. We have a never a no-show guarantee invented that after a while, be after evaluating customers, seeing what the real pain point is. The biggest worry is customers want peace of mind. They want to know, okay, if I order this cleaner, they're going to show up and I'm not going to have to get a call at midnight from the guest saying, Hey, uh, the place isn't clean because your cleaner flaked. And that's the problem with many cleaners in general is that, you know, if something happens to them and you're relying on one cleaner, what are you going to do? So we have a never a no show guarantee and the way it works uh, with our platform is we could link into the Airbnb host and I'm saying Airbnb could be it could be booking.com, their calendar. So anytime you, Dustin, you have a checkout, it'll automatically schedule a cleaning with us. You're going to get a primary cleaner assigned with us and a backup cleaner, which gets auto assigned. They're going to go to the job. They're going to check in on the software. They're going to go through the checklist that you have designated and they'll take pictures. You'll get a notification letting you know if you need supply restocking, if you have damages and it's all in the app for you. So I, it's I very that. systemized way.
1: Yeah. Like I I'm literally, as you said, what is my number one thing that I'm worried about? It's making sure that I don't have a bad review from a bad cleaning or not being cleaned. If you, mm-hmm. when you said a gar- like a guarantee show up, like gar- we guarantee we will be there to clean the place like wow that is peace such a mind uh yes peace of mind it's yeah. like i know it's going to get taken care of number one they're guaranteed they're going to show up which means more than likely because they have good reviews they're going to actually do a good job like it's going to get done because last thing you want is literally dishes in the sink garbage overflowing because nobody showed up and your new your next people go there and nobody's even set foot to even try to clean that would be so detrimental to your entire business you know dirty beds and all that sort of stuff Mm. So that is brilliant. And what, at what point did you implement that into your business? Because it seems like that for me, I'd be like, I'm going with Neil because that <laughs> I, that's that's such a it's, big it's the peace of
0: thing. mind. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's the made this guarantee. So all of our franchisees have to have that guarantee along with them. Uh, on the other end, there's the residential guarantee. So um, remember, two business segments: one is uh, Airbnb, one is residential. Residential hour guarantee is a 24 hour happiness guarantee. Anything is wrong, we'll come back and fix it. So therefore, you never have to worry. If you book with us, oh, what if they don't do a good job? It's okay. Don't worry. They're going to come back and fix it. Um, I think every business needs a solid guarantee. And if you think about the biggest businesses out there, I mean, Domino's used to have a 30 minutes or less guarantee. I still remember this. This was 15 years oh, ago. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you, you 15, uh, 15 minutes saves you 50% or more on, on life insurance. Geico, like you, you, as long as you have a guarantee or something like that, that's uh, that's what customers want. So when we came up with it, it, it took a while, man, because at the beginning you don't know what you're doing. I was paying a cleaner in cash out of the car, like it was just you don't really know. So it's probably three to four years in when I really sat down and said, can okay, we have these customers. Let's analyze what is their pain point." And I wish I did this earlier. I wish someone had told me, "Like, hey, Neil, if you just sell them on their pain point, that's how you can get more sales." I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Um, but that's something you eventually figure out if just find what the pain point of your customer is solve that and market that as the guarantee. That's literally it. That's all you got to do.
1: 100%. I love that. And so for master passive income, I teach people how to invest in rental properties, like buying long-term single family homes. I personally like Airbnb. I would actually lean more towards 20% being Airbnb of your inventory, 80% being long-term because I love that perfect steady income. But I do also Mm. love the high amounts of money that you can make from Airbnb. Long story short, um, what my pain point was personally was I I didn't want to work a job. I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to be independent. I don't want somebody to be able to yeah. hire me or lay me off. And that was my pain point. So I worked towards that. And then everything in master passive income, I'm always talking about, let me show you how to quit your job. Same thing with successful employee. Let me show you how to, that's your pain point. Let me show you how to mm-hmm. quit your job because quit the job is one thing that just about every single person has. Like, like literally every almost everybody has a job. And Thinking about what that can relieve. If you didn't have that job, what else could you do? More time on your hobbies, more time investing, more time with your families, whatever it might be. So you, I think for everybody listening, really you need to catch what Neil said. If you figure out what your pain point is for your customers and really go after that and even like Neil said, guarantee it. Oh my goodness, that would be so phenomenal. They're gonna say, how can I give you even more money to make sure you're Mm -hmm. taking care of my problem? Now, Neil, there's one thing I wanted to bring up. So as we were talking, it reminded me of a friend I, I know uh, many years ago. She had a cleaning business. She would she cleaned mm-hmm. the houses herself. She had maybe a ten clients, and every single week she would just go to each and every one. She'd do it all herself. And her biggest worry was hiring somebody. Number one can take their clients. That's another issue, obviously. They, you know, just literally take your clients. But number <coughs> two, liability. Like she has her own. Like I make it this clean, and my clients hire me specifically for that. So she never hired anybody. She tried once. It didn't work out well. So she's literally every single week going to the same houses over and over again. She can't grow because she only has so much time. What advice would you give or like, what is any suggestions or anything that you could think of that would help her get out of that rut?
0: Yeah. And that's a tough one in general. And, um, I, I don't know her and I guess it sounds brutal, but she just built herself a job. She just got herself back a job. That's not being successfully unemployed. That is building yourself a job, which is what you don't want to do. Um, so I I would always reverse engineer. What type of life do you want? And then figure out what you need to make that happen. If you're completely happy cleaning places um, every single week and you're content with that life, you make enough money and you're good with that. That's fine. That's all you got to shoot for. But for me, for example, I wanted to travel. I wanted to provide my parents. I know there's no way I could have done that with just me doing the cleanings. Uh, so it wasn't even a thought that wasn't even a consideration it's you have to hire someone because that's the end goal. So reverse engineering the end goal would probably be number 1 and that'll dictate the type of strategy you have to take to get over there.
1: Man that's great. I I absolutely agree cuz I look I envision what my life would want to be and I always encourage everybody to do that. What do would you what would you like you have your life be like? What would you what would mm-hmm. your perfect day if you were to close your eyes right now and envision the perfect day what would that be? And If you see that, work towards that or figure out a way to get towards that. Now, I completely agree with that. Now, I want to talk on franchising because I'm thinking that is super amazing or super interesting. Now, I've actually been a part of a franchise a long time ago. I had Mm. a pizzeria and I franchised a pizzeria. Yeah, it was it was it worked out great, but I eventually sold it and moved on because that real estate is so much easier to make money when I don't do (laughs) anything. I still make money, which is fantastic. Now. With the franchise, though, you created your business, working in your business, making money. And you're like, you know what? Mm. I can help other people. I can help other people yeah. with the business, the systems, and, and everything else so that they don't have to even you know, consider figuring that out. We have it for them. Talk to us about now transitioning this to be the made this franchise. Like, how do we, or what was that process? What was that thought process to actually do that, getting into a franchise business?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. And the honest answer is, um, if you think about the mission of what, of anyone, I'm sure you have your mission and you have your why. I have my mission. I have my why. The why was uh, I want to make sure other people could achieve the same level of freedom that I did. Luckily, I was able to help out my parents. Luckily, I was able to travel. Um, so I built my business and I'm not sure if I told you this Dustin, but I built it for the purpose also that I wanted to leave and travel. Therefore, the systems I created had to be made in a remote way. It completely it kind of turned away uh, the normal perception of a local business. You think local business, you think brick and mortar, cars, everything like that. And you have to be localized. I did. I knew I was reverse engineering what I wanted to do. Therefore, everything was made in a remote way. So for the last five years, while building this, I've been across mostly, I think about 35 countries while building this, mostly living out of the US back here because of COVID. But I had to build all these systems and I had people reaching out to me, inquiring about it and asking about the systems. And I knew it worked, right? I I literally did it myself and it worked. I I worked at a corporate job, did this part-time for a couple of years before quitting and doing this full-time. So as people started to reach out to me, I thought, I could help a lot of people by doing this. Um, And we have the systems to do this remotely. I feel like we're better at the marketing end than any other cleaning company out there. Um, I feel like the franchise industry in terms of the cleanings, uh, cleaning industry is very old school. And I, I just, I felt confident that we built a better mousetrap per se. So I thought, you know what? I want to have a network myself. I want to have people who want the same level of freedom, who want something more in life and be able to say, Hey, join me. Just, I've already done the hard stuff, copy what I'm doing. And I keep thinking back. I'm like, if I had someone just tell me, Neil, don't take cash out of your ATM and go pay that cleaner, <laughs> find a guarantee at the beginning, don't have. Don't wait three years before doing it, how much faster would I have grown uh, for, for someone just guiding me that way? Um, so that was really the impetus of what we're doing. And now we're franchising across the nation. We just, um, we just started this year launching our first one in Denver, which I'm stoked on. Um, actually, Dustin, our, I know you're over in the Phoenix area. That's where we will launch, want to launch our second one. So currently on the hunt for people around that area as well. But yeah, it was just taking the next step, saying, "Hey, we got to get mousetrap. I want to build a great community. I want to help a lot of people out with freedom, and I, I think we're doing it better than anyone out there. Let's give this a shot."
1: That's that's fantastic. Now, thinking of because as you were explaining everything, it's really in the same position. So I invest in real estate. I buy rental properties. I have thirty plus properties now, and I'm just blessed to not literally have to work and I get to talk to great people like you on podcasts and just enjoy life. Yeah. And I saw, I thought, I started thinking, you know, it's not very fulfilling just to invest, make money. That's great. Don't get me wrong. It's great to be able to quit my job. But I wasn't helping anybody. And so I realized I can start helping people do the same thing, literally do the same thing I am. So I do coaching as opposed to franchise, which I don't know if I could actually franchise the teaching of it, which probably is not it. But it's a similar type of model. Same concept. Li- yeah, yeah, exactly. Where they're paying me up front and I'm coaching them through the entire process. You're getting a franchise fee and you're actually making sure that they have the entire process, the systems and they're going to be utilizing your systems. So when you are actually creating a franchise, it's different than coaching. I could just put up my shingle or you know put up, "Hey everybody, I'm a coach, come talk to me." But when you're doing a franchise, there's a lot more hoops, isn't there, to actually do or is there like FCC or you know anything like that? Is there anything we got to worry about?
0: Yeah, great question. And I didn't even know getting into this how regulated this industry is. It makes scary. it tough. It's great for the great for the consumers. I blame McDonald's. Um, They're the ones that really- uh, seriously, oh man. Uh, and to explain the franchising world to you, um, it is regulated by the FTC. So there's certain things that I would be able to tell a prospect, not be able to tell the prospect, have to disclose to them. So now in that way, I I like that it's kind of protected. You can't ever, I cannot, um, for example, I'm sure you've come across coaches who would claim they could do one thing, but they maybe have never had experience, but you can market it. I'm sure everyone is here has seen Instagram ads are saying, Hey, I I could make you a million dollars. Here's my Ferrari. Uh, you can't exactly do that with franchising because you actually have to prove it that you actually have the model. It's regulated, which is great in in many aspects. It keeps a lot of
1: bad franchises out and saves a lot of people from getting into bad franchises that literally can't perform.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, your question was around franchising kind of what hoops to jump through. Um, I'd say because of a lot of that, a lot of the regulation around it and the fact that once you join a franchise system, you have a protected territory, I'm going to be working with you constantly we are very, very selective with the hoops we go through. Remember, we talked about the five step cleaning process 2% of people can make it through it. Very similar, which is not many people are going to be able to make it through because with franchising, we are awarding you our business model. We're awarding you all of the mistakes I've made over the last seven years. We're awarding you a support system. Uh, so, because of that, I want to make sure the entrepreneurs who join us are like, they're doing it for the right reasons. They fit culturally with me. So, it's not as easy as just saying, I'm going to start a business. It's, hey, can I, are, are you qualified to? to be able to do this based off what we've seen. So I hope that answers your question, Dustin.
1: It does. And it gives me thinking about when I bring on a coaching student, see, I have group coaching, I have my podcast and everything, and I just love teaching. I love showing people. But the one-on-one coaching students that I bring on, I am very, very selective. There's a lot of criteria. actually a lot of hoops they got to jump through in order to become one-on-one coaching students. Because... Now it's, it could probably, or it's probably just me and my personality, but if I don't get along with the person that I'm actually going to be coaching with, it makes everything horrible. I don't want that. Yeah, I work with people that actually I get along with, or more than likely they get along with me. It's probably me. I'm probably the problem, but I want to work with people that fit the culture, fit the the community, just like you're talking about. Now, when you are developing that franchise, how are you now helping? Cause you said you're working with the the franchisee, the one that's coming to you. How do, you, how do you work with them specifically to make sure that they're doing everything right, that they're going to be successful?
0: Yeah. First one, as always, start with the vetting process. Let's make sure the people who make it, make it into the franchise system, no one's a bad apple. They actually fit the culture, they fit the core values, things like that. That's number one, and we'll solve most of the issues. After that, we have a system to follow, which is this is how you get set up. These are the things you're going to do. You get a 400-page operations manual. You get uh, constant training, constant weekly check-in calls we double check your KPI numbers. KPI numbers is key performance indicators. For example, because we've been doing this for so long, I know if you have phone calls coming in, your conversion rate should be X. Of those people, this many people should stay this long. And if any of those numbers off are off, we could just double check and say, how is the whole network doing? These numbers are off, why don't we backtrack to see what we need to do to fix this? So there's a lot of things involved in it, um, but the beauty of joining franchise systems is that you're following a blueprint. Um, again, you're bu- you're buying someone else's mistakes, and mm-hmm. you're speeding up, and your time collapsing. That's that's what you're doing. You're not buying um, a business in a box because you yourself are still the one executing on everything. Uh, I think a lot of sometimes the perception is that the franchisor, which would be me in this case, is doing everything for the franchisee. It's not the case. It's you are buying the mistakes of everything. You don't have to learn and, and make those hard, hard, expensive mistakes yourself. You're buying a support system. Um, yeah, you're bu- you're buying a blueprint. So.
1: And not just the mistakes, you're also buying the successful idea and business processes and systems and literally everything around the business because it's a successful business. And like we just mentioned, if you're going to go through the FTC and you're going to actually make sure that you have a franchise that can be marketed as a franchise, you have definitely, every company that's gone through the franchise process has done thorough vetting. Like this is not going to be something that you can just literally... I'm, I'm gonna be a franchise and, and just start giving out franchises. You can't do that. But as you are working with these customers or your your franchisees, you realize mm-hmm. that they are they should be realizing that they are the ones doing the work. Cause when you are buying into the franchise, like just like you said, you're buying the expertise, you're buying the knowledge. You're you're also learning from the pain points and the mistakes that that whatever the franchise has actually done or the coach has done, but you're also getting the successful business model. I kid you not. Out of all the people that I talk to in investing in real estate, when they actually try, to, when they work with me, I have like a 95, eh, probably 90% success rate of all my one-on-one coaching students to actually building the business, buying their first rental property and continually growing because I give them the business model. I'm They pay me for coaching and I walk them through that. And I, I literally say this to them. I am not going to do the work for you. I'm going to coach you. Like make sure you 100 yep. know that you're doing all the work. I'm coaching you through and making sure you're not going to step on a landmine that I can foresee. I'm like I'm going to make sure you're going to save money. I'm going to make sure that you're making money. I'm going to make sure you're going to do the business right. And that's what franchises do. Which I just love that idea. Now I like I uh, was saying. I was a part of a franchise a long time ago and mm-hmm. they had even had marketing material. They had a way to like any question that I had, they were there. They already experienced it, which is the best thing about franchises or coaches is they've mm-hmm. already done it. They know what the route that you want to take and they say this might be a better one or this is a great one. Let me help you tweak it. So, how do you then as they once you know once they start learning the business and they start growing Do they eventually go off and be their own franchise or they continually stay as a franchise? How does that work?
0: Yeah, good question. And we're we're quick to talk about what you just said. There's So much value in in what you just said right there, because what you're really doing is time collapsing. Now, I brought up the example of if I just had someone like me from the future tell me back in 2013, Neil, just do these things. How many years could I have sped up what I'm doing? Now, think about how much revenue we're generating a year. If I could have saved one year and sped up things by one year, that would have paid for everything twice over. It just... The speed of what you could do is so much, uh, you can move so much faster if you have a franchise system, a coach, even if you think about something like the gym, uh, you can go to the gym yourself and absolutely do that and learn how to do all the techniques. Or if you have a coach or someone to teach you it, you just advance much faster. So you're almost paying to be able to move much quicker and and generate results quicker. So anyways, I think a ton of value in what you were saying over there. Um, and your question was regarding Dustin. I forgot it was the franchise. So fees? franchise,
1: yeah. So how do they get in? All the, well, not how because we know that there's a process. They got to be vetted and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Once they're in, do they stay stay a franchise the entire time? Do they do franchise ever like? Would they want to move branch out or could they branch out? How does that work after the fact? Once they already have an established business.
0: Yeah. So once you. um are awarded a franchise let's say for our case made this you are a made this franchisee and um, there is a certain uh, commitment period and you could always renew on top of that commitment period as well so your made this business would stay under the made this franchisee obligations um, in that case and i think a lot of people at least the way we have this set up it is completely digital work from anywhere and i have a feeling a lot of people are going to be doing other things as they learn and grow what they do is part of the made this system. And look, I'm fine with that. It's if you learn what you're doing here and eventually say, Hey, I've learned so much business things. I'm going to keep doing made this system as well. And also want to expand and do real estate and do other things. I would hundred percent encourage that because I think business in general is such a learning opportunity. Uh, and anyways, I love that I'd be able to provide that sort of platform for people. So yeah, the made yeah. this if you buy made this franchise, you are in the made this system.
1: And what's great about being in the made this system is you also have the name now, obviously made this isn't as big as like McDonald's, but Correct. you think of the number one franchise ever is McDonald's and any McDonald's you go to, if it's in Japan, India or whatever, you're going to have just about the exact, you you know, what you're going to get in there. Now, there will mm. be nuances in different countries and stuff. I've actually eaten in, uh, McDonald's in Japan. Personally, I've been to Japan many times and yeah. eat McDonald's there. And it's like, it tastes similar, but just a little different to, you know, for the Japanese. Palate. Yeah. Same thing all over the country or so all over the world. But everybody knows what they're going to get when they, they're not going to get pizzas when they go to McDonald's, you know, they're not going to get big, huge, you know, uh, ribeye steaks or something. No, they go hamburgers and this is what they do. And they do that very, very well. Same thing with made this or any franchise they, you, you are bringing, you're also buying that name. What the recognition that comes with that name on top mm-hmm. of every good thing that comes with, obviously you found them. You're like, man, I really like this company. They're doing really well. I should basically hitch my boat to that guy because I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So that is fantastic, Neil. So is there anything else that like any catches or any type of like, okay, we we probably could watch out for this or anything we should be concerned about when we are creating a business like this.
0: Ooh. And do you mean franchising or if anyone on the show is creating their own business?
1: Well, actually, no, I let's round it out to business in general.
0: Where do I start us? <laughs> There's so many things to think, keep in mind. I guess, I guess what I would say for anyone starting a business, um, I no warning signs or anything like that. But I think a lot of people who currently have a job, it is very easy to get complacent, just have your job and kind of work on things on the side. I think a trap I fell into while doing that is what I'd call analysis paralysis. You read a lot of things, you listen to podcasts all the time, you read books and you feel like you're being very productive. The reality is until you take action, you're not being as productive, right? You could constantly build and build and build. And if you have a job on your backbone, there's no push to actually go ahead and do it. So for me, it took me a while to understand that, oh, I'm falling into uh, analysis paralysis where I feel like I'm being productive, but I'm not really, I'm just reading a lot of stuff. And that's what I'd always encourage people to watch out for if they have a, a job, um, which is make sure you're not just reading a bunch of stuff, make sure you're actually giving it a shot. And look for me, I tried a bunch of different stuff and most of it failed pet hair, vacuuming failed. I don't know where that blog is. Maybe <laughs> it's, su- it's successful. Now I have no idea. Uh, and this is just one of the things that worked and I, I got, I got lucky and fortunate that this worked and I kind of kept at it. Um, but you know, I, I was trying way too many things and wasn't actioning it for a while. So that's what I would caution. Got it. No,
1: that makes a lot of sense. And I also, along with the analysis paralysis, because when you're investing in real estate, you're running a lot of numbers. You're looking at a lot of properties, yeah. people Get analysis process so easily because they get in their own head. They're so they they can't look outside the problem and see what's going on in there, and they just get stuck. Action is really, and I think that's a beautiful term. Is like we actually have to have action in order to actually say we're actually moving forward. I have a little bit of like a shiny object syndrome. I'm like, oh wow, look at that. That's good too, and oh that's yep. good too. And you do like ten things, but none of them well. Like you, if you go from a one to a ten, and you have ten things, and you're at a one that's not as good as one thing where you're at a 10. It's much, much better to where you were just gung-ho on one thing. So I, I just, I had to dovetail that in because I was like, that got me thinking of, right. man, my problem was always seeing so many good things out there, but then honing it in. Now, you know, let's get into the rapid fire round. This would be really let's basic questions. Easy for you. If you want to take a long time on it, it's not like you have to be fast or anything. Just answer them as best you can. This so is fun. the first one is, out of your life growing up, it could mm. be business life or whatever. What is one piece of advice that you have taken and implemented yourself that you would give to everybody else? Like you're actually, let's make it a little more specific. Your younger self, when you were let's say eighteen years old, you're like, you know what? Hey, eighteen year old Neil, this is what you should do, or this is a bit of advice I want to give you. What would that be?
0: There's so many. The one which immediately pops to mind since this is rapid fire is less business related, but I think of my life motto in general is leave people better than when you found them. If you simply do that, Love that. things are good. Even in, That does relate to everything. Even in business, leave the customer better than when you found them. Leave your team member better than when you found them. Leave anyone you've interacted on the street with better than when you found them. If you simply do that, things in general become brighter, more opportunities show up. Uh, and and just the human element of life, I feel like it's a lot, a lot more elevated. So I always keep that in mind as as much as I can with any interaction I have.
1: No, I, I think that's fantastic. I actually have that same uh, similar motto or it's it, the, the outcome is the exact same thing. And what I love to do whenever I'm talking to any person, I work at my church. I, I lead a Awanas, which is like a youth little kid thing where we teach them about the Bible and stuff. And even if I'm talking just one little kid, I'm literally just directed my entire focus yeah. on them so that they know there's nothing else in the world. Just you. If it's that person like that or my coaching student or literally, like you said, Anybody that's walking down the street, if I am in contact with them, you are my 100% focus. I'm on my phone. I'm not looking for somebody else. And on top of that, it's trying to make the other person having, not just have a better day, but like you said, you're leaving them better than when you found them. So I think that's a brilliant, brilliant way to say it. I love that idea. Yeah. Everybody for me, as best I can, that is the number one focus in my life is that one person for that two minutes. It could be two minutes, but then, yeah, Hey, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. What is one book? could be business. It could be life. One book that really impacted you that you would suggest other people to read.
0: There's a book called The One Thing. Have you heard of it, Dustin? I have. Yep. So the concept of The One Thing is that um, if you can make a giant list of stuff, there really is probably one thing on that list which are going to have outsized return on your quality of life. You should focus on The One Thing instead of trying to accomplish a bunch of things off the list. When I read that, it had a huge impact because I think a lot of us have a tough time prioritizing stuff. I have checklists galore everywhere. And if you check a lot of stuff off, it feels like, again, you're being very productive because I just checked ten, 10 things off. The reality is, if I thought about it, there's probably one to three things on that list which are going to have an outsized return on the quality of my life and what my goals are. And I should really focus 100% of my attention on that and don't even think about the other nine things that are on that uh, 10 piece list. So that I think that concept helps me really prioritize what I do every day, you know, I, I'll plan my day the night before. And I think what is the one biggest thing I should be doing tomorrow for my overall goal, as opposed to trying to check mark a lot of things off my list. I think,
1: yeah, you're absolutely right now. What's interesting. So you gave a great, like a fantastic synopsis of like the, the topic of the book, as well as what they get dive into. Yeah. I personally suggest people to actually read it because easily we can always think, okay, Neil, just explain it. Let me just do that. No, no. Inside the book, there are so many examples, suggestions, so many, even just outside ancillary type things that as I went through, it's like, my goodness, they have so much research. They've done so much great research and storytelling <laughs> and everything in this book that even just that one thing, it gives you so many other things to help you make that one thing possible. So hundred percent, I think yeah. everybody should read that book. book. It's a, That's a quick read book. It yeah. is, it is. And it's just like a normal, you know, a couple of people talking. It's just that type of personality, which is I enjoy that, that it was, it's a really good book. Now, what is one bit of advice? You gave us a bunch of advice. Is there any bit of advice that you would give to anybody listening for, uh, for business? Like if they're going to get started, what is another out of the things you've, or many great things you've already shared,
0: any more advice that you can give us? I would say, what is the, <laughs> this might go against the grain of what many people say, what is the quickest thing you could start just to get things going and then figure out what happens after that? Because, for example, for me, sometimes it's not even something you think of, but you don't really know that. You don't need the greatest idea. A cleaning company is not the greatest idea. Yes, we had our own spin on it. Yes, it's remote. Yes, we're focused on vacation rentals. That's not where it started. Um, So sometimes the answer is not exactly in front of you. But once you actually dive into it and try things out, you're going to be able to see where it really goes. Um, So that would be the advice I give is it doesn't have to be anything completely unique. It doesn't have to be anything that you're sitting down and writing a 10-page business plan on. It could be something very simple and give it a shot and then see what happens
1: i love that idea and what i'm thinking of when i am teaching and coaching somebody how to invest in real estate i try to get them quick wins or not necessarily quick wins but i want them to get a win you know when you get Mm. that analysis paralysis like you mentioned earlier neil you start getting stuck and you get in your own head and you start feeling like you're limited or there's problems or like you just can't do it we need to get Mm. wins we need to get little wins and even if it's just buying something at Walmart that you saw on eBay, you could sell it for more. It's like discounted here and you can sell on eBay and make a little bit of money. That is a win. It's showing you just something. That's not, not saying that's exactly the right yeah. you should do, but just like what you said, Neil, if somebody says, and especially
0: with business, I was going to say, especially along the lines, just made me think, especially with business, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. I think many people think I need to have the Uber of X and it's going to be a novel app. If the path to success is already proven in front of you via, let's say what, what Dustin's doing, like, You've already proven out the business model. If you want to achieve those same results, why not follow the person who's already figured out the business model? So you got to kind of reverse engineer what you want, match it up with someone who's already done it and then execute. So in business, I think a lot of people, and for sure me at, at the beginning was, I was trying to come up with novel things, which haven't been done before. The reality is you don't need a novel thing. You just, you need to just execute very well.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. I was reminiscing on a book called the blue ocean. Have you ever heard that book?
0: I, have, I actually just bought it. I haven't read it yet, but I keep hearing about this, the Blue Ocean Strategy. So I'm not saying anything
1: negative, so you should definitely, or sorry, it might sound negative, but I'm not trying to. But um, mm. you can definitely um, read it and, and then hopefully it really grabs a lot out of you. Now, basically the premise of the book is the Blue Ocean. Like go someplace where nobody's at that you can chart your own territory. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely butchering it, but that's yeah, in, essence, in essence, yeah, like go something place brand new. You have this new everything that everybody's going to want to love. I personally invest in rental properties. Everybody does that. And I do just fine. I I'm blessed. I have a good life. I could I'm but here's another thing. I coach people how to invest in real estate. <laughs> how many people coach to how to invest in, because I first thought, "Oh my goodness, there are so many people teaching how to coach or you know, coaching how to invest in real estate. Why should I even try?" And like it's just it's so saturated. There's so many people And I thought, you know what? If I went with the blue ocean strategy, I'm going to to figure something out. Like, okay, this I can't do this. But instead, I realized I'm passionate about it. People are asking me about it. Let me try it. And now I'm blessed that I have so many people wanting to learn. I'm like, yes, I can help you. And even though there's so many other people out there, you and your own personality, how you run your business, who you are as a person, who you interact with, and even just your networking skills, all that combined creates your own business. So I love what I love you that. said, Neil. You yeah. absolutely, wherever you are, it doesn't matter if it's uh, somebody's already done it. And in fact, I personally rather go with somebody already proved that, that works. Let me
0: do, let me Abs- do that. Absolutely. And Dustin, to your point, I mean, it just made me think your personality, your values, that is your blue ocean because no one else could replicate you. So if people listen to this and completely vibe with you, like what you're putting out, like your values, no one's going to be able to compete with you because they're literally not Dustin. I think it's the same with any business. And I think that's why business is such a relational type of thing is if you're going to attract people, you have to be authentically you because that's, what's going to separate you from the pack is just something which is irreplaceable.
1: You're absolutely right. And that's one thing like podcasting and YouTube. What I really love about both of those platforms, especially podcasting, like it's easy just to pull up a podcast and start listening to it. Now the people who say, Oh man, Dusty's voice is, it's horrible. Like it, it feels like <laughs> a cat scratching a chalkboard. They're going to turn it off and not listen yeah. anymore, which is good because I'm not going to waste their time. But the people that stay they're like, Hey, I like the way he says it. I like how he says it. Let me continue. Listen, they're a much better potential customer somebody that I can help as opposed to right. somebody like, like, let me just go Facebook marketing or something like that. But you're hundred percent right. Whoever you are, like just you as yourself, you have that own, your own personality that a lot of people will go after, but some people won't. We just need to make sure that you are being as unique, not unique, being yourself, being as who you yeah. are as possible. I yeah. completely agree, Neil. That, that's yeah. a great Kinda, advice.
0: It even goes back to um, made this. Let's talk about this. Because uh, what we're doing and the advice I got is, dude, be yourself. And whatever you, this is a beauty of business. I think you can make the company whatever you want it to be in terms of culture. Your business is an extension of you, whoever is the leader. I, I generally see that's how it ends up going. So for us, you call us, we'll ask you, Hey, tell me a joke and I'll give you five bucks off. And a customer is like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, just tell me a joke and you get five bucks off. Uh, then we'll call them afterwards and give them like, hey, just pick a number between one and 10 and we'll give you a surprise extra. So the whole point is I made this fun, not because like I'm sure it contributes to sales, but I'm like, dude, this is my company. I can do whatever I want. And it ends up working because we attract those people who vibe with that, who like you. They become the loyal customers just because you're you. People do business with people not with
1: yeah. businesses. And if you, if anybody realizes that they are going to make a change in how they actually do business, because they're going to realize as long as I'm working with a person, and because you are, as long as I realize that and actually work with a person, we're going to have a different attitude. We're going to look at them differently. Like, Hey, this mm-hmm. could be my next door neighbor. Let me just take care of them. So man, Neil, you've given us so much great things. Last question. What is one tool? It could be an app, it could be a piece of paper and a pencil. What is something that you use every day that we should look into using?
0: I use um, I use a, a daily journal planning, um, and I think this has been the most thing, biggest change I made for my productivity. Is literally the night before I will map out my schedule for the next day, see how much I can accomplish, and the top things I need to accomplish. Think about it this way: if if you're very, if you're a CEO of a huge company, you have a secretary doing that for you. You don't have that. So you have you, but if you plan the night before for the day of, when I wake up, all I need to do is execute on the plan I've already set up for myself. It has the one thing on it, it has all the meetings I have on it. And I just am able to accomplish probably twice the amount I normally would. So a simple planner and doing it the day before, that's the trick, not the day of is huge.
1: That, that's great. And I, I go, I work out of the gym and my programming, like what I'm supposed to do to lift, it's already done. It's already been done for like a year now. I just keep going through it. It's so much easier because I just show up and I take care of it rather than, what am I going to do today? You know, if you just plan it out before, I think it's a great idea. Now, Neil, you've given us so much great insights. People are going to want to reach out to you. And hopefully they're going to say, you know what? I want to do what Neil's doing. I can do it. How would they find you? How would they be able to reach out to you?
0: Yeah, you could just go to uh, Made this franchise M-A-I-D-T-H-I-S, Franchise.com. Uh, my own personal website, Neil Parekh, uh, neelparek co. Reach out to me there. And anyone who reaches out, you'll hear from me personally. So hopefully hear from you some. Awesome, Neil.
1: Thank you so much for being on the Successful Unemployed Show, man. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Huston. That was awesome. Today's episode has been brought to you
1: by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded, teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses, group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. It'll be in the description, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. You can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Also, if you got anything out of the show, Share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successful unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.